Jay and Cat were terribly bored. It's been a while since they scored. What will we do with this sexual energy? Turn into a podcast about Shakespeare and company. This isn't your stepfather's podcast. You're not my real dad, Greg. Welcome to Shakespeare and Lads, a Shakespeare podcast where two idiots read Shakespeare and go for a lot. Back to Shakespeare Lads, podcast that wants to give you a key to its apartment. I am joined this week by my fabulous co-host, Jay. I, as always, am joined by my illuminant co-host, Kat. Is that a word? Illuminant? Illuminant? Illuminescent? Luminescent. All I know is that you glow in the dark. I do glow in the dark, that's true. I think that was all the all those summers swimming in Lake Ontario. That probably caused that. <laughs> One time I swallowed a glow stick. Did you actually? Yeah. What happened? Not like a, not the plastic part, but I chomped it the liquid in part? my mouth and I swallowed the liquid part. Oh my God. What happened to you? Well, all night I thought I would die. Yeah, for sure. But I didn't. Well, you didn't go to a hospital? Well, I didn't want to tell my mom because I didn't want to get in trouble. I was oh, yeah. like eight or something. Yeah. And then I woke up and I was fine. <laughs> Did you ever tell your mom about this? No. Like maybe, think? maybe way, way after. Yeah. But I didn't tell her at the time because I, okay. I really didn't want to get in trouble. But you didn't feel sick or anything? No. Okay. It, I just have that, that memory of like in the middle of the night chewing on this glow, glow stick. Okay. And swallowing the liquid and being so terrified all night that was I was going to get in trouble slash die. Did your tongue glow in the dark? I remember the liquid glowing in the dark where it had like fallen on the sheets and on my skin and stuff. Okay. So presumably yes. But you'd, I couldn't see my own tongue. You'd be like a human blacklight. Yeah. It's kind of crazy. I know. That's what I wanted. <laughs> <laughs> You're like the opposite of Spider-Man. <laughs> It's a dork who Yeah, so obviously we are the two most qualified people out there to be reading every Shakespeare play and talking about it, which is what we are doing. And this week, folks, we're reading Antony and Cleopatra. Don't mess up this amazing transition. <laughs> it's so good. Yes, what did you want to say? Could you sound any more exciting? I'm so excited. Actually, I really liked this yeah. play. I, 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 I couldn't tell because it would be a monotone <laughs> reading of what today's play is, which is Anthony and Cleopatra. Anthony and Cleopatra! Oh my god. Oh my god. The original power couple. That's true. We are the second power couple. Oh yeah. We are the only two people who have lived up to the legacy I think so. of Antony and Cleopatra since yeah. ancient Roman times. Yeah, I have women like routinely say I, I am a, a Roman god. Or maybe that's the god complex I've created for myself. <laughs> yeah, they say you're a Roman god, and then they say, but oh man, they call you a Roman god, and then they say, but that cat that you hang out with <laughs> sure is a queen who outshines you. <laughs> that's, that's true. Um, I, I routinely, you routinely make women that I meet on the street jealous for your... True. Just radiant beauty. Yeah. 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 And I and I, I and I don't think that is too grandiose of a term. No, I don't think that I don't think that's at all like overstating no. any case. Like I think that's completely realistic and yeah. grounded as me to believe. Yes. Yes. As our listeners know, we are both shredded. <laughs> <laughs> We're all. both insanely beautiful, insanely powerful, you know. Yeah. And just the the clashing of our two spirits. Mm-hmm. Has has rocked the whole world. Yeah, that's why. Um, that's why I like to think of this podcast. Of I think so. It is. It is almost like the creation of like the 
you know, the Last Supper on the cathedral that is our our medium, which is podcasting. On the cathedral of SoundCloud. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and I don't think that's too grandiose a term. And I do have a God complex, and I'm acknowledging it here on this podcast. I need serious therapy. <laughs> acknowledging it is the first step towards yeah. healing. Before we just, you know, talk about our, you know, our, our inspirations yeah. for being radiant, beautiful, godlike creatures in this week's play, um, you want to talk about a little something first? Yeah. Which kind of clashes with what we were just talking about. No, but it's okay. I, I don't think it does. Okay. Go for it, then. All, all gods have flaws. That's true. Um, yeah. Zeus's was nymphs. Nymphs? Yeah. Mine's heroin. <laughs> so we got something in common. It's, it's, it's all of a piece. Yeah. It's just the same. Nymphs. What was... I'm going to name a Greek god right now. You okay. have to tell me what their weakness was. Okay. Dionysus. Cheese. Oh. <laughs> nice. Cheese and wine. <laughs> Aphrodite. Afraid of getting hurt. Perfume. Huh? Aries. Axe body spray. <laughs> <laughs> That's what she an axe. Yeah, okay. I like that. Okay. Thank you. Thank Perfect. You. Thank you for playing the game show. Which Greek God's weakness is this? <laughs> You've won nothing. <laughs> great. Yeah, I've had a great time. Thanks so much. Hi mom. See ya. That will be edited in the post <laughs> post editing. <laughs> so yeah, okay. So I recently had well, I think it's a deeply embarrassing and traumatic experience. Nothing, nothing yeah. uh, out of the ordinary. So as as I've mentioned, I have I have a vague interest in co advising. Right. Yeah. I don't know. I don't really it's know. It's a what... casual kind of hobby. Yeah. Interest. I don't know what it's about. No. I don't really know how it works. But sure. yeah, maybe 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 I have an interest in it. I don't know. Whatever. I'll figure it out. So I apply out of hand to Co op, the city of uh Moncton. Um, to live in one. To live in one, yeah. To live in one, yeah. yeah. To, no, to own it. Okay. <laughs> As the Daddy Warbucks, I aspire to be one day. <laughs> and uh, the ask for an application, I, you know, take out my pen and I write the application. I write a check for $20. And then the co-op calls me back and it's like, you forgot to sign your check. <laughs> and then I call my mom and I FaceTime my mom asking her, there's only two places on a check I can conceivably think of signing the check, on uh-huh. the back or the front. <laughs> That's you don't mama. sign it on the back, Jay. It's, it says sign here and it says endorsement. Am I? I'm endorsing this check. That's it's currency. Does it say that on the back? Yeah, but it's the person who receives it signs oh. it. They're endorsing. It. Oh my gosh. Um, yeah, no. So anyway, I I just felt deprived of like a basic knowledge that <laughs> someone should have taught me. Someone should have taught someone you. Someone should have taught me. You failed, parents. I mean, to be fair, the only reason that I feel so comfortable signing checks is because I still need to sign checks for my rent. Yeah. So um, I know, like every normal person, like e-transfers yeah. their landlord or like Paul I, the landlord, get get it together. I know they have something set up, but I live in eighteen ninety five. Yeah. And I still have to deposit my checks in this little mailbox mm-hmm. that is only for rent checks. Oh really? Yeah. Oh, interesting. It's very strange. Are you also at risk of polio in your <laughs> mid-century There's apartment? There's asbestos just all in all the walls. Yeah. It's the worst. Yeah. No wonder your roommate passed away. Nice <laughs> rest in peace. Yeah. So I, I do this long, complicated story to ask you. Like, do you feel like you have been deprived of, like, basic knowledge or something that your parents knew or your grandparents knew that you wish you had, but because our, our we're too busy on the, the Insta? We, we haven't figured it out for ourselves. Well, I feel like I don't know how to do anything. Okay. And this is like a big insecurity of mine. My grandmother on my mom's side was a chef. Oh, really? So she's a great cook. 
Yeah. And she's also very... A chef or a cook, because they're different professions. She was a chef. Okay. But she, like, also cooked for, like, her whole family, yeah. for, like, three generations of her family, because they all live together. Yeah. Um. So she's just, like, very good at cooking and They were surprisingly and... all in their 20s. I know. It was just a gaggle of... <laughs> Gaggle of young adolescents. Yeah. Or young young adults, rather. That's Serbia for you. I know. And then my mom is, like, really handy. Like yeah. Like, she... Uh, handy or handsy? Handy. Okay. Because you were just at a wedding, so I wasn't, I wasn't sure. Like, she has a lot of saws. Oh, really? She can make furniture. Oh, cool. Okay. Yeah, she, like, redoes the deck by herself. Wow. And stuff like that. I don't know how to do any of that. Right. I can't... I can barely mend my own pants... I can't cook for shit. <laughs> I I basically am not a human person. No. I don't know how I've survived this long. So yeah, yeah I have a lot of insecurities about <laughs> but, a lack of knowledge. But to counterbalance that, you have like an encyclopedic knowledge of various English books. Wait, like, yeah, is that helpful in the world? Is oh. that helpful for living? Seems like you're doing pretty well. So far it hasn't been. You're 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 gainfully employed. If you removed me from a city context, <laughs> I would perish immediately. Yeah, if if you were immediately, if you were a country bumpkin or something, if, like I would be terrible. No, you'd be you'd be bad. You wouldn't fit in. No, I'd be like mowed over by a pig or something. <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> so okay. so, but you're in a, in this urban landscape that we're living in. You're doing well. I can do I do okay. Yeah, you do good. And I you can like good. hide my shortcomings more easily. Yeah. Than I could say in the country. Okay, so if I can, if I can share. Yeah, please do. So this is not. Please about remove me. me from my, my yeah. well of self pity. So this is this is not about me, but it's about about my younger brother. So I'm gonna put someone on blast, and please it's gonna do. it's gonna be Andre. It's nothing we haven't done before on this podcast. No, it's, it's a it's a recurring theme. Get just ready, like, Andre. Just like Chase <laughs> did. Um. So I remember when my brother was like probably like 16, 17 or so. Mm-hmm. He had to send a letter. Okay. And I was going to talk about this, actually. If oh, it's, really? Yeah, if it's what I think you're about to say. Well, he had to turn to my parents and say, like, how do you how do you fill out a letter? Address a letter? How do you yeah. address a letter? Yeah. A yeah. lot of people don't a know how to do that. A lot of people know. And then, well, what's interesting is, like, my mom went to self-reflection. And next day, she talked to people at work. Mm-hmm. And then a coworker turned to her and said, like, yeah, my daughter was the same thing. I felt so bad as a parent. I felt I had failed my child. And then my mom replies, oh, I just thought my son was an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> but but it, yeah which is great <laughs> but it's all these like little tiny tiny little things that like should be common sense like mm-hmm. i'm sure like you know my mom generation like the 1940s or whatever like <laughs> people people knew how to do all these things like people had didn't have google they just had to like you know drill in their dumb rock brains <laughs> how to do things but and, also they sent letters yeah like okay weirdly for me I have, like, relearned the art of sending letters because my okay. entire job is, like, physical correspondence. Okay, interesting. Like, everything that I have to write, I have to send out in physical letter form. Yeah. And so I had to, like, relearn how to address envelopes. Oh, you had to, oh really? For your job? Yeah. Oh, interesting. And not that, like, I didn't know, but just, like, the number of spaces that you put between, like, the province and the postal code. Like, yeah. little things like that. And just, like, refamiliarizing myself with sending letters. And yeah, it's a thing that we don't really know how to do. I really wish I, I could have a pen pal. Yeah. I think that would be cool. But I think yeah. I would flake out on them all the time and it just feels <laughs> that I haven't been writing my pen pal. Because that's okay. what happens with all my projects. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can get it. So I'm not going to do that. Okay. But I think it's cool, like, as a concept. You would be great at writing letters, I think. Like you would, it be, would be fun. You'd be very, you'd be very enjoyable because you're a good writer, first of all. 
Thank you. And you're just a delight to talk to. And a lot of stupid things happened to me that I yeah, couldn't absolutely. imagine that someone would laugh Absolutely. <laughs> okay. So on, the, on the subject of letters, mm-hmm. and this is a question, a rhetorical question for you. Not rhetorical. You can answer it, actually. Oh, okay. an actual question. An actual question. A physical question mm-hmm. that you had to send to someone else. In a letter I'm, form. I'm sending you a chain, chain, a chain letter. Just don't send me a check. No. <laughs> yeah, because I had to resend that check. It was really embarrassing, actually. Aww. And then I called the, the person at the co-op, and she was like, oh, and I sent my name. And she's like, oh, the person who, like, sent the check without the signature. Oh, I was like, oh, come on. oh, no. Come on, yeah, I was, co-op lady. Don't come drag on. him. Yeah, I felt roasted a little, a little bit. Yeah. So, on the subject of letters, do you feel that letters are, like, the most romantic form of communication with someone else? No. Really? Okay. I think sex is a <laughs> romantic form of communication. No. Okay. And I know what you're going to say. It's about yeah. the distance, right? Yeah. And that makes it romantic. There's a distance, the time that it takes to get to someone. Yeah. So it's like you've really invested in it. Yeah. Because you're... you want to communicate with them that yeah. badly that you're willing to overcome the obstacles of time and space. Yeah. Because like you receive a letter, say, in a week or two weeks. Mm-hmm. And you're reading someone's thoughts a week ago. And you're getting like a glimpse, almost like a glimpse into the past, right? It's just imperfect. It's not more romantic because it's imperfect. Okay. So you You could chisel your love into a rock and hope that the person will come by as they immigrate with the mammoth herd (laughs) and read the love letter on the rock. But that doesn't make it romantic. It just means that they haven't invented iPhones yet. Okay. (laughs) So So you feel like like direct communication over like the internet? I, I don't I don't and think this is, I, I said this in the context of like distance, right? To put it in perspective. It's yeah. necessarily a more or less romantic form of communication. I think there's like people or relationships that are more or less romantic and it's just like whatever medium you happen to have yeah. available to you. Do you feel if the love of my life was we were both in office towers? Yes. And I write my number and who I am and why this woman is so radiant. Mm-hmm. And I fold it into a paper airplane, <laughs> and I throw it across the distance that separates my office and her office, and That's she really receives cute. it on her desk. That's really cute. Yeah. It's also a short that I saw once. Is it? Oh, yeah. okay. But I just, like, that would probably be the most romantic. You know what would be really romantic if you faxed her something? Yeah, that'd be, that would yeah, be cute. That'd be pretty cute. And then she would have to, like, figure out what office it was faxed from and stuff. <laughs> and then her coworkers would see it beforehand because nobody knows how a fax machine works. Maria, you got a fax. <laughs> it's kind of weird. It, I think it might be spam. Should I recycle? Should I recycle? Should I recycle it, Maria? <laughs> Maria, uh, there's another fax. Is this a banana? Oh, oh God, Maria. <laughs> Who's this gentleman caller <laughs> sending you these fax? Faxing dick pics. Good. Yeah. Good. That's how a fax works, right? That's, I mean, that's Actually, what, that's, that's another I, thing I don't know. I don't know how a fax works. You don't know how to use a fax machine? No. Oh. Who, who has ever needed to? I use to. it at my work. Really? Yeah. For what? To fax people. Fax them what? Can't you just scan and then send it in an email? You can, but you can also fax them. Okay. <laughs> I don't know, man. Go- government yeah. likes their faxes. Yeah. I don't know. So, for everyone listening, I hope you're enjoying... <laughs> Us discussing your bureaucracy, essentially, and <laughs> how an uh, office works. The, the romantic possibilities within a bureaucratic structure. Yeah. It's not romantic if, if two people before you see it. That's true. I think that's really I will, yeah, I will, it has to be intimate. That's why I only ever 
go on first dates if I'm going as a double date. <laughs> when you were a Canada Post worker, did yeah. you like for the month I worked there? For yeah. the month you worked there, did you employ the month? <laughs> <laughs> you were so good; they didn't want to let you do another month. <laughs> You're like, she's just yeah. gonna blow us out of the water. It was like you know, it was like I had built a wonderful cathedral, mm-hmm. and then the person who pays for it breaks my hands so I can never recreate what yeah, I anything that beautiful yeah. yeah exactly did you like try to intercept love letters like you looked at something and you like looked you like held up and, the reda- light. and like redacted like a wartime letter <laughs> <laughs> no and you were like oh this might be a love letter and then you read it yeah. and then you like resealed it and sent it on its way so then the people think that it's intimate because it's only the two of yeah. them reading it but actually there's a secret third person who's read it so it's almost like a menage a trois yeah. Because I've been stirring myself into their relationship. But it's like a little bit non-consensual. <laughs> <laughs> Woo! For those listening, I've never read someone else's mail while working at Canada Post. That's really admirable. Yeah. I feel, I feel like I'm like, yeah, I'm like a sane human being. I'm not like some kind of psychopath that needs to read. <laughs> I mean, I, I would have been tempted. Yeah, that's, that's fair. <laughs> I did put on red lipstick and sealed it with a kiss and then sent it back. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. That's yeah. good. So no, I can't. I can't say I've ever done anything that could incriminate me in a court of law. <laughs> you, if you're a copy guy, tell me now. <laughs> it's it's illegal if you don't tell me. Yeah, tell me if you're a copy. Um, talk about Anthony and Cleopatra. No, I'm good. You're good. Okay, see you later, folks. Bye. Okay. No. Uh, yeah. Let's let's uh like the nacho dip that is this uh the podcast. Let's dig in. Think of this play. It's good. It's good. Yeah, and a podcast. Great. Um, yeah, again, see you later. A lot of false endings in this in this podcast, just like in the play. Yeah. <laughs> that was a good joke. <laughs> right? Yeah. Because there's the false ending of Cleopatra's death. Oh, and then it continues for a little like a little bit more. Yeah, because yeah. she doesn't actually die. You killed it. I just that was a big spoiler. But it's okay. <laughs> we would have spoiled it anyway. You listen to this. We spoil things in this podcast all the time. We used to have a format where we read out the play <laughs> act by act. <laughs> so, you know. And then that killed us. So and, we scrapped yeah. that. We realized nobody wants this. Nobody wants that, least of all us. Okay, Antony and Cleopatra, maybe a tragedy, maybe a history. We'll talk about the genre, but, you know, generally yeah. considered a tragedy. Written in 1607, probably one of the most, like, sprawling romantic plays that Shakespeare wrote. Yeah. Um... You want to treat it because it was... Because I'm a bachelor and I struggle for... yeah. You're starved for romance. Starved for romance and I want tips. I want hot tips. Yeah. But also, <laughs> <laughs> we read Julius Caesar and you liked it a lot. Yeah. And you were like, I want to continue in this yeah. theme. Um, and in Julius Caesar, Mark Antony is sort of just like a side character who's like a Julius Caesar mm-hmm. fanboy and we don't really hear about him. Yeah. And obviously he takes a more starring role. What did you think about this play kind of right, coming off of Julius Caesar? Before before I give you my thoughts, mm-hmm. um, I just want to say that this play has really inspired me in, in other aspects of my life. So I want to show a picture to Kat. I want her to hear her thoughts about it. Okay, great. This is, this is great for a podcast. Yeah, you made that your WhatsApp. <laughs> <laughs> Why? Why is that your profile? I just think it's really funny. <laughs> so for our listeners who don't know um, great shoehorning in of that <laughs> I'm glad I set up my whole thing about Julius Caesar for you to say that <laughs> so for our listeners who, who can't 
see for the, the visual photo, iPhone photo. Um, I just showed Kat a photo of me leaning back as if I was like a Roman. Sure. Um, with like a big old cherry. <laughs> Tenuous connection, but yeah, sure, yeah. like a Roman. And I forced my good friend Emily to take the photo. <laughs> great, great photo. Yeah. Really um, inspirational. Yeah, I'm really glad I, I mentioned this. <laughs> I just got. I just wanted to show you the photo. Okay, I now you have to send me that. If you're gonna keep this part in the episode, you have to okay. send me that photo to tweet. Sure. Okay. I'm fine with this as a teaser, so that people will listen to it. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Um. So. <laughs> <laughs> so what did I think of the play? Yes. I really liked the play. Kind of coming off. The yeah. Caesar related to that. Blah, it was. Blah. Yeah. No, I really liked it coming off of it. I thought it was like a. It's not like a direct sequel because a lot of time has passed between Julius Caesar and this one. Correct. Um, it this, took, the Caesar in this play is not the same yeah. as the Caesar in Julius Caesar. And it took me a long time to figure that out. I sure. thought I thought it might have been a prequel until I thought like what they might have done oh. was do like a prequel and then the events of Julius Caesar happens and then there was another part that was going to be a sequel of that. Right. That's too complicated for like an Elizabethan play. Well, not... maybe I. I mean, Henry the Sixth was yeah more complicated than yeah. anyone needed it to be. But no, it's not that. It's just like, it's a direct, direct sequel. So it's Julius Caesar's son. Yeah, Octavius. Octavius Caesar. And it's kind of an older Mark Antony. Yeah. And then Cleopatra. And Cleopatra had previously been with Julius Caesar and had a son by him called Caesarion. Yeah. Sweet name. Is that where a Caesarion section comes from? No. Oh. I have no idea. Maybe. Okay. You can look it up. That's the only thing I thought. He's that's not like, he's sort of incidental to the play, but that's all I kept yeah. thinking every time somebody, somebody mentioned his name in the play. Anyway. What, what would be the, because he had a Caesarian section? Well, I have no I idea. I don't know. I don't know. Oh. So that, yeah. So that's kind of the context and the history, but, but you enjoyed it. Yeah. I enjoyed overall. it. I thought, in a way, this was like almost like a character assassination mm-hmm. of Mark Anthony. It was. Yeah. Absolutely. Because in Julius Caesar, you really like Mark Anthony. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, you see, like, you see the best of him, right? Mm-hmm. You see his, like, nobility. You see his, like, deep, like, loyalty, uh, loyalty sense of honor, mm-hmm. sense of duty. And this one, he's just, like, a horny boy, uh, <laughs> you know, who lusts after Cleopatra. And, uh, and a horny old boy. Yeah. And there's something particularly pitiful about, like, an old man lusting after a young woman yeah. or a woman at all. Unfortunately, I wish that wasn't the case, yeah. and it is very ageist, but I feel yeah. like... Older um, men should be happy, is what you're trying to tell us. <laughs> no, I think they should be, but in the play, this play utilizes a lot of, like, like characters watching the events of the play, yeah. and then commenting on them kind of from the outside, and so there'll be a lot of, like, soldiers or, like, guard yeah. characters who are like, oh, like, Antony has really lost his touch, you know, he's been taken in by this Cleopatra, yada, 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 he's, you know... He's losing his wits because he's old and just falling for a nice-looking lady. A newer model. Exactly. Yeah. I don't know. I, I don't think Cleopatra is supposed to be that much younger than him, but, like, yeah. whatever. Like, a she's, exotic, she's, she's pretty. beautiful woman. Yeah. And so, I don't know. It's kind of it's kind of sad. Yeah. Also, Mark, I've, I've in the play, Mark Anthony, this is his, he's had free wives at this point. Yes. So, I think he has, like, a you know, venereal disease that he's passing <laughs> on to people. That's, that was also in the back of my mind where it's like... I know. Syphilis was just like raging and people yeah. just like did not care. I just want to intersect that um, Caesarion, the son of Cleopatra and Julius Caesar, yeah. is not the namesake of a yeah. C-section. It's actually... Is he the namesake of Caesar's Salad? Yes. 
It's actually a man called Caesarius of Terracina, who is the patron saint of C-sections. <laughs> Sweet. He was Caesarius of Africa, a young deacon martyred at Terracina, who has replaced and Christianized the pagan figure of Caesar. So, okay. Thank you, Professor, for that uh, you're welcome. insightful That's part of history. Directly off of Wikipedia. Oh, he has like a little baby like pictured on his phone. Oh, okay. There. <laughs> wait, wait, you're you're blocking your phone. Oh, that's kind of cute. That's yeah, a little weird. But it's, it's almost okay. like it's almost. So for those who can't see it, it's a uh, it's a saint with a long flowing red robe, and it's almost like I would describe the little bulb there like uh like the hall of a summary. Like the little yeah. look at look. Uh, yeah, it's like a porthole, and yeah. inside it's just like a little picture baby. of a baby. A little baby. Something I want to kind of discuss. Yes. How would you qualify the relationship between like Cleopatra and Mark Antony? Because I have one word. Okay, you t- tell me your word because I have many words and I don't know how to put them all together. Steamy. It is very steamy. <laughs> <laughs> there. And okay, a podcast. I know. <laughs> this is a steamy play. That should yeah. just be the title. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is a steamy play. Yeah, you get the sense that. They really enjoy being in bed together mm-hmm. and that that kind of trumps all reason, all other priorities. Um, at the beginning of the play, Antony has a wife called Fulvia, who's sort of characterized as like stiff and unfeeling. And Cleopatra makes this like joke that implies that she can't have orgasms, blah, blah, blah. Um, and then she dies. And then instead of being happy with Cleopatra, Antony decides to marry Octavius Caesar's sister to sort of yeah. like patch over his relationship with Caesar. Yeah, because he, he's been he's been like AFK from the. <laughs> for, for those of you who don't play the games, you not you might not get that. But he's been like he has been responding to like Caesar's summons for yeah, because he's been busy fucking in Egypt. Yeah, and Which, eating grapes and drinking wine into the early morning and like listeners let's be honest like who, who can blame him who can blame him he's just having a good time but uh there is a revolt coming from sicily in the form of pompey who is a roman triumvirate who is rebelling and is, is this the same pompey that julius caesar defeated in the first one not sure okay maybe probably not okay because he'd be really old but maybe yeah i don't know it's a good question <laughs> That's a good question. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Good for five listeners. <laughs> I'll, I'll Google it, but I don't know. No, it's okay. In order to fight Pompey, Antony, and Caesar have to put to rest um, the disagreements that they have and kind of unite against a greater evil. That falls apart, and soon mm-hmm. enough, um, Pompey is defeated, mm-hmm. and then Caesar and Antony are fighting again. And so, yeah, he does have a lot. He has two wives over the course of this play, and neither of those marriages end well. Okay, well, here's also my other question. Mm-hmm. Do you think Cleopatra is taking advantage of Mark Anthony? Or do you think it's a mutual uh, symbiotic relationship rather than, like, a parasitic relationship? That's a really good question, and I don't know if there is a right answer. I think Cleopatra is probably playing him a little bit. Yeah. She's very, obviously she's very good at like manipulating the people around her to get what she wants. Multiple times throughout the play, she switches allegiances between Caesar and Antony just to save her own skin, Um, which is like a very blatant way to show the audience that she's not really loyal to Antony and that she will just kind of do what she needs to do to get by. But I also think that like the passion that she has for Mark Antony is real. Yeah. 
I would agree. What do you think? I I think yeah no I think you're right. At first I thought like oh, because well, I do feel it's it's kind of weird because they're both being emotionally manipulative with mm-hmm. one another. Mm-hmm. Like there's a scene where Mark Anthony kind of acknowledges this in a way, mm-hmm. and he acknowledges how Cleopatra is essentially a weakness to him, mm-hmm. but he doesn't do anything about it. Yeah. So he okay. So Anthony loses a battle against Caesar, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and partially because Cleopatra's forces run away mm-hmm. when the cabin banned them. Making merry fortunes, you didn't know how much you were my conqueror, and that my sword, made weak by my affection, would obey it on all cause. Cleopatra responds, pardon, pardon. Fall not a tear, I say one of them rates. All that is won and lost, give me a kiss, even this repays me. Mm-hmm. So, you know, he's lost a battle, but his affection and his desire for Cleopatra makes him for- immediately like forgive her. And this happens like twice to him. And he recognizes that. Yeah, he does. Like yeah. he recognizes that he's kind of being taken in, taken in by her, but just the force of his love makes him unable to yeah. do anything other than kind of forgive her. Yeah. Are are you being manipulated if you recognize that you're being manipulated and you allow it to happen? I don't know. That's a good question. In this I so I think in this sense, no. Mm-hmm. And let me and my my reasoning because I think they both like, I think they, okay, I think they're both playing a game mm-hmm. that both of them know the rules about. Mm-hmm. Like, they, kn- they know that this is, like, they know the rules around, the, like, their courtship and their desire and mm-hmm. flaws and one another, but they still, like, headlong go into it. Mm-hmm. It, it. It turns, you know, that kind of, like, relationship does, does turn out a point where Cleopatra sends, like, a, a missive to Mark Anthony say that she has died mm-hmm. so anthony will like forgive her and well it's a little bit mean-spirited because she kind of just says like to the messenger like let me know how he reacts like yeah. i just want to know yeah how sad he'll be and whatever which is really petty and who, just mean let's be honest who hasn't sent a missive to their, <laughs> to their mutual lover saying i passed away and just babe i'm dead how sad are you yeah. <laughs> text me <laughs> Why are you texting me back? <laughs> well, I, <laughs> well, I think I think it kind of goes to that concept, like this idea of like, oh, you want to have, you want to be there at your own funeral because mm-hmm. uh, you want to see who who would show up, who would show up, who would cry. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. It's very. I mean, you have to kind of be detached from. So you have to be kind of detached from your affections for that person yeah. to want to see how sad they would be about your death. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Because if you were really connected to your affection for that person, you would just be sad that they're so sad. Yeah. You wouldn't be like, haha, they miss me. So it's almost yeah. like you have to like enact this removal of your of your emotions from yeah. your person to kind of observe other people's relationship to you that coolly. Does that make sense? No, I think that makes sense to me. Yeah, totally. And Cleopatra's kind of doing that throughout this whole play. Yeah. I compare it to it's a high school relationship where the woman is in love with the jock and the jock is her boyfriend, but she secretly longs for the nerd. Is uh, Anthony the nerd? No, Anthony's the jock. Oh, okay. And the, who's the nerd? No one's the nerd. Oh, okay. The nerd is like, I'm putting myself in this play, okay? Okay. Please <laughs> patch just secretly longs for you. I longs for me. <laughs> I just, no, I just feel like it is like that superficial, mm-hmm. you know, you're both beautiful people and mm-hmm. you love being beautiful together. She isn't as into Anthony as he is. Yeah, that, you're not like sense. fully invested in it. You're you're, yeah. you're both a little bit removed. Because you're almost, I think they're more into the perception of them as a couple yes. than they are necessarily as them. 
like actually being in the cup. Yeah, and like, really oh, happy about we're it. so great. Mm-hmm. You're great. I'm great. We're great together. And even like, I think the respective deaths also illustrates like there's a, a very strong pride. It's like, oh, like Anthony, no one could slay Anthony, so Anthony like slayed himself. Mm-hmm. That's very true. That's a very good point. So, yeah, I think they're all into it. They're into their images more than they, I think they are into mm-hmm. um, their respective relationships. They kind of set this out at the very beginning of the play where Cleopatra insists that Antony tell her how much he loves her uh, rather than the other way around. The deaths warrant some talking about. Do you want to just like go over quickly how that yeah, goes down? totally. And then we can talk about it. So there's a lot of unfortunate casualties <laughs> to their suicides, essentially. Yes, they're, um, they're pretty botched. Yeah, so as I mentioned, Cleopatra sends a missive to Anthony saying that she's passed away. And then, like, I guess her idea is like, oh, he'll come back and be so sad. And then I'll be like, <laughs> and then she'll pop out the curtains like, oh, I'm not dead at all. But if he doesn't do that and say so he's like, oh, I'm, this world is unbearable to live without her. I will. Very sweet. Tells his servant to, like, run through with a sword. His servant's too much of a pussy to do it. <laughs> so it's, His so servant's it's, like, I can't be the one to kill the great Antony because I love the great Antony yeah, so much. Exactly. So he's like, okay, I'm, I'm going to kill you, but just turn around. I don't want to look at your face while you're doing it. And he's like, okay, I've, I've turned around. Yeah. And uh, so pulls down his pants. And then, <laughs> <laughs> um, and then something else happens. No. Uh, he, he turns around, and then the servant, while he's not looking, kills himself yeah. instead of Antony. And then Anthony takes the sword from him. It's kind of sad as they're in bed. It's kind of sad. Kind of sad. Kind of sad. <laughs> Tries to kill himself, botches it. Um, yep. It's unfortunate. <laughs> really unfortunate. And then has, like, soldiers, like, bring him to Cleopatra's room because he wants to die, like, alongside Yeah, Cleopatra. so 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 Cleopatra sends someone to him because she realizes that he might try to kill himself on yeah. the news of her death, and she wants to intervene before that happens, but she's too late, kind of. Yeah. He's dying, but he's not yet dead, so they bring him to her while he's still dying and they like share a kiss whatever yeah and then a little bit later on cleopatra sort of submits to caesar and then caesar is gonna like bring her to him and and he promises her that she'll be treated with like every kindness yeah um but she has this hang up about not wanting to be like paraded through rome as like a prize yeah um which i think is just like she doesn't want to lose her pride right like yeah for sure she was the queen, everybody respected her, and, and that, that would all be lost yeah. in that moment of being paraded through, like, like yeah. cattle, essentially. Yeah. Um, and so she has a clown bring her a poisonous serpent who bites her, bites her and then she dies from the venom. That was great. Yeah. <laughs> can you do that right up close? Yeah. Do you, want me, do you want me to make that sound? <laughs> um, can you tell I'm a Shakespearean actor by trade? Yeah. You'd be really good at that. You think so? Yeah. Thanks, man. Yeah, you're welcome. Appreciate that. What character would I play? Clown in every play. <laughs> no, I'm just joking. Um, actually, I was reading a little bit. Okay, so I read the... I alternate editions of Shakespeare plays that I read, and you can always tell because I talk about the play aspect of it whenever I read the Royal Shakespeare Company version because mm-hmm. they have, like, a little part after about mm-hmm. the history of the performance of the play. I noticed that you. And they, yes, and they were talking about how nobody likes to play Antony because he's, like, a pussy. And he's, like, it's, like, it's what you said about how in Julius Caesar he's portrayed so flatteringly. Yeah. And in this play he's ostensibly, like, the tragic hero. He has kind of a tragic downfall. But it's so much 
less great and so much sadder. Like, he kind of loses the battle against Caesar. Yeah. Like, he doesn't look great there. He makes a lot of stupid decisions. Yeah. Um, in terms of warfare. He's taken in by this queen and sort of just lured in by the great sex and makes a lot of dumb decisions there. He's Who hasn't? Of, I know. Well, same. But he's sort of old and he's doting on her and everybody thinks it's a bit silly. And then he can't even get his suicide right. Yeah. Like, I think the fact that he's not even able to kill himself properly and that he dies in the fourth act, like he's not even in the fifth act. So he's not like one of the last characters that you get to think about. He doesn't have a great last line or anything. That's just kind of pathetic. Yeah. I guess. And the Royal Shakespeare Company edition talks about how nobody wants to play that. All the men say that they want to play Cleopatra instead. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Because Cleopatra is like the, she's kind of like the tragic hero. She has a super tragic, death yeah the cover of my edition has a snake on it yeah because that's a way cooler suicide than like half running yourself through <laughs> with a sword Gasp messing it up yeah <laughs> and then being like please bring me to cleopatra i just want to see her one last time yeah anthony servant should have been the hero of the story i know because he's much, so much more noble than anthony is can we talk a little bit about um what's his name eno barbus Enobarus? Barius? I know who you're talking about, though. Enobarus? Like, so Anthony's he, lieutenant, essentially, right? Yeah. So, yeah. I, is he Anthony's lieutenant, or is he Cleopatra's lieutenant, who's then kind of serving Antony? I think he's Anthony's lieutenant. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, he's Antony's lieutenant, and he kind of realizes... Um, he's He's been faithful to Antony for a very long time, because Antony's a great general, a great soldier, and he has a lot of respect for him. Yeah. And then... You throughout, said the same thing about me. I mean, I'll follow you into battle, man. Thanks, man. Yeah, I appreciate that. Absolutely. We shared uh, a manly hug. There. Just that, yeah. yeah. Yeah, we did that um, that handshake that I can never do. <laughs> <laughs> Jay tries to teach me this, like, bro handshake, and I, I just, my hands don't know how to do that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I can only hold someone's hand as a professional Professional handshake. handshake. Yeah. yeah. Or a lover's embrace. <laughs> Those are my only two modes. <laughs> I can't be a cool bro yeah. as much as I want to be. But Enobarbus uh, is loyal, whatever, and then in sort of, like, one of the final acts of the play, he has this internal struggle, and he decides to betray Antony because he just realizes that his mind is going, and that, yeah. like, he's he's not making good... He's a fool. He's a fool. He's not making good wartime decisions. There's nothing that he can do, and he feels bad about it, but he, he defects to Caesar's side, and then Antony in the guilt trip of the century sends him like all his things and all his gold as like a gesture of goodwill like to thank him for his service and say like you know no hard feelings man i understand here's all your stuff yeah and then enobarbus feels so bad that he sort of just like dies of guilt yeah and I think that's, like, one of the sadder deaths in the yeah. play, too. Yeah, I know Barbara should have been the hero story. Yeah, like, his death is almost more poignant. It is. And more tragic than Antony's. Yeah, it is. No, totally. I almost, like, vision that relationship. I was like, a couple of me, I was like, oh, yeah. you can have your your jersey back. You can have... You can have our favorite dildo. <laughs> sure. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. It no. just reminded me. I, I talked you had about, a favorite dildo that you had to give away? Of my favorite, no. Um, it reminded me, like, I talked a couple of episodes ago about a lesbian comedy show that I went to. Yeah. And there was this one woman who was talking about how she, like, had a relationship of eight years that ended. And that one of the things that you have to do in a lesbian relationship is, like, split up the dicks. <laughs> and so you have to, like, decide, do you want this one? Yeah. Okay, I want, I want this one, blah, blah, blah. And the punchline in that joke was that she knew that things had gone badly in their relationship. 
because one of the dicks hadn't been used for so long there was a spider web uh, on it. <laughs> but that doesn't really relate to what we're talking no, about. No, it doesn't. But that's a good story. I, thank you for, I appreciate you sharing that. That's pretty funny. But yeah, it is. It is sort of like, yeah, like you can Some, have Something I never thought thing. about. I know. Yeah. The logistics of, of that are... are yeah. Something you don't need to think about. No, I, so I really hope I don't. You can just forget about it immediately. <laughs> what were we talking about? Um, talking about Anobarbus. So, yeah, and, and I think that also speaks to, like, what we were talking about earlier about kind of how this play is all about perceptions of the couple yeah. as opposed to the couple themselves. Yeah. And yeah. so it just highlights the fact that Antony's just, like, a little bit sad. What's the kind of interesting is, like, when you don't take the passages from Anthony and Cleopatra's perspective... <laughs> Where they're just like describing each other and like whatever. Oh, your yeah. eyes are like orbs. They shine yeah. like the stars. Your, blah blah blah. Your mane is like flames or blah blah. Get over yourself. <laughs> um, <laughs> but when you're when you're hands, pilgrims, etc. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but when you take it from the perspective of like the servants or like the lieutenants, they're kind of like, yeah, this is gross. Yeah, this is unhealthy. Why are you doing this? Yeah, which is kind of interesting, right? Because it is like. Clearly showing, like, the perspectives, like, yeah, like, nobody else is into this relationship, mm-hmm. but, you, but you guys are. Yeah, and, and the fact right. that it ruins so much else. Yeah. Like, another small thing that I wanted to mention, Cleopatra's children don't ever show up in this play, but Caesar... Ugly. <laughs> I mean, his name is Caesarion. I'm just... Anyway. <laughs> My favorite Pokemon. <laughs> <laughs> it's an evolution of... Caesar. I don't know if I'm enough Pokemon to make this joke. Oh, Evie. That's, that's the joke I That's the only one you for do. For your, your sister, anyway. <laughs> I'm sister. Um, oh, nice. Good Pokemon. Thank you, thank you. It, the stakes are so high, and Caesar says, you know, I'm going to treat you with every kindness, but also, if you kill yourself instead of coming with me, your kids are not going to have a great time of it. But if you acquiesce and you come with me, then, you know, you, your kids will be safe and they'll be with you. And she kills herself anyway, and, like, the, the kid thing is never addressed. Sometimes you got to put yourself in before your kids, right? That's okay. <laughs> hey, sometimes you gotta look inwards. <laughs> she spends this whole time looking inwards. Yeah, she does. Jeez. Hey, listen. In a in a game of life or death, sometimes you gotta kill. Commit. Sometimes you gotta throw your kids under the bus. Yeah, you gotta put yourself in front of your kids. Throw and your kids under Octavius Caesar. The kids will be fun. Sure. I assume. Probably. Well, well, he's a murderous emperor. Yeah. Well, we'll find out in the next Shakespeare play. Uh, (laughs) What happens to little Caesarion? That'd be great. I would read that from Caesarion's perspective. I mean, that would be interesting. And you would have to, because we read every single Shakespeare play on this podcast. Yeah, so in three weeks, prepare yourself. I think in comparison to Romeo and Juliet, where it is really sad, and you also do, to a certain extent, have kind of as you were saying, like, the lieutenants and stuff like that commenting from the outside. Like, you have the friar being like, yo, y'all need to slow down. This is going to end in tears. Yeah. Um, you have the nurse, whatever. Everybody's kind of like, take it easy, kids. And Back it up, Romeo. Fuck, just chill out, bro. And no one listens. And that's part of the tragedy. But the stakes are still just Romeo and Juliet. Like, yeah, there's the two sort of warring factions of Verona, but they make up at the end. Yeah under kind of Paris's rule. Whereas in this play, it's kind of just Paris's like... Paris's rule? Paris has died. Paris dies. Not Paris. What's the name of the the king? Or the... Yeah. yeah. Whatever his name is. What's his face? Sure. The, don't, the, don't the, gen- the general who's in charge of Verona. Whatever. They make peace. 
and the prince. Yeah. The prince. The, the cop in the movie. The cop in the movie. <laughs> the prince of Verona in the play. Um, whereas in this play, like, uh, like they keep referring to these three men, uh, Antony, Caesar, and Lepidus, as o- each owning a third of the world. Yeah. So the stakes are really like the entire world and yeah. like the the rise and fall of empires and the fact that Antony and Cleopatra are willing to stake all of that on their romance makes it seem a lot stupider than it does in Romeo and Juliet. Yeah. Also, they're older, so you just like in Romeo yeah. and Juliet. Yeah. Often. Well, they should, but... This is a recurrent that Cat brings up for some reason. That's I'm fine if you're old and you want to, you know, have a fun time. Well, I think what the play is saying is that people at any age in love are stupid. Like, Romeo yeah. and Juliet, they're 13, they're Dumb. stupid. You can kind of write it off. This play, they should know better. Yeah. They don't. Anthony has free wise at this point. <laughs> He's an idiot from start to finish. Yeah. Sorry, what were you going to say? That's the end of my thought. Well, okay, no, that's... Well, that kind of just... Gonna, what I was going to mention. Okay. Because they're kind of... So dumb. Yes. And, like, I think arguably Mark Anthony and Cleopatra are both unlikable characters. Yeah. In the sense that, you know, they're both vain. They're both have a sense of entitlement. Mm-hmm. They're, yeah, in a way they're not likable characters. Once again, my Julius Caesar and Mark Anthony would have never done this. That's true. You, it all went downhill. Is it a tra- Okay. And we've maybe discussed a little bit, but is this a tragedy? Like, is what happens at the end tragic? So what do you think? Like, if you're going to categorize this... Yeah play in terms of genre yeah what what are your thoughts postmodern <laughs> don't even talk to me about that i take a postmodern philosophy class All in right. my undergrad it almost killed me anyway um, <laughs> i have no t- i have no time for philosophy that's good yeah neither do i clearly <laughs> after taking that class i realized that no. i you know I, I respect people who like want to pursue a passion and maybe your passion is philosophy mm-hmm. but like listen you gotta be really comfortable with needle gazing and you know what i want to say yeah. is uh Suck my cock, Baudrillard. <laughs> That's what I have to say yeah. about philosophy. Go fuck yourself. <laughs> Paul Virilio can eat my dick. Anyway. <laughs> no, we take that back. They're all re- no, we don't take it back. Uh, I don't listen. No. Virilio will never hear this podcast. That's, I can say that. No. I can say what I think about Baudrillard. Yeah. Okay, we've we've gone off the rails a little. Yeah. Is it a tragedy? So here's, what is it? Here's how I characterize Tell it. Tell me about it. I would say that Anthony's death is not a tragedy. Right. Because it's botched? Because it's botched. Mm-hmm. Because he's such a loser. Yeah. So it's almost like it's not a tragic fall because he doesn't fall from very high. No. Like at the beginning. It's like you tripped. Yeah. People are like, you're a weak fool. Yeah. And then at the end, he's still a weak fool. So. It's almost like if we consider Richard II as a tragedy. Right. But Anthony's not like, it's not a perfect metaphor because Anthony's not like a a villain per se. But in, oh wait, Richard III or Richard II? Maybe Richard III. Okay. Because later both are confident. Right. Wait, I don't know. Richard III is one where he's like stooped and evil. And Richard II. I'm thinking thinking of Richard III. Yeah. Sorry. Of Richard III. In Richard III, yeah. I would say that's a bit of a, a clear line of like, if Richard III committed suicide. Right. You wouldn't feel necessary. You wouldn't feel badly sad. for it because like, he's evil. Yeah, and he's, he's a tyrant. Yeah, and Mark Anthony, in a way, he is a tyrant, right? Like he mm-hmm. he decides to like make Egypt his empire and like break the the beautiful bromance that could have been between the free triumphants. It's true. So you know, whatever happened to that old saying, "Bros before," you know, Cleopatra's. Cleopatra's. <laughs> nice. Solid. Good joke. So in that sense, I I do I did feel like. Cleopatra's death was much more on the tragic form mm-hmm. of like 
in Romeo. Like, you have, like, an outside poison in Romeo's case. Mm-hmm. Still poison in Cleopatra's case, but, like, mm-hmm. an outside source that that causes your death. And yeah. she's, like, strong enough to carry it through. Yeah. Whereas yeah, Anthony isn't. It's hard to do. Yeah. So it, yeah, I always wonder how all these people are running themselves through with swords. It seems very challenging. Yeah. People have more, like like we mentioned at the very start of the podcast, people had <laughs> this institutional knowledge. Yeah, that we did not people, learn. People knew how to do that back in the day. <laughs> but I also think, yeah, like you said Romeo and Juliet, and then I was like, oh, that is a tragedy with two people in it. But a lot of the tragedies just have one tragic hero. And I feel like Antony and Cleopatra are kind of dueling for the status of tragic hero in this yeah. play, which makes it kind of weird to think of as a tragedy because you're like, well, whose arc... Yeah. is tragic in this play if either in Romeo and Juliet it's kind of like okay it's it's two doomed star-crossed lovers they sort of fall yeah. at an equal pace whereas in this one one falls much earlier than the other one yeah and I yeah, think, actually that's a very good point I actually yeah yeah that makes sense and I think also when you were talking about Richard III I think it, he actually is kind of like Richard II because in Richard II it's about a king who's already sort of fallen and then you just see the it's very successor. end of it, yeah, okay. like, yeah, and the successor. And in this play, like, almost the, the the greater tragedy is kind of off screen, which is, like, all of his life before this point, before yeah. he fell in love with Cleopatra. Because he was such a great warrior and, like, so amazing before then, yeah. we hear. But in the play, we only see the kind of sad ending. Yeah. People people have said the same thing about me before I turned <laughs> 24. I heard you were great before I met I was, you. I was a god. <laughs> you were conquering left, right, and center. Yeah. So don't. So in the end, do you think that it is a tragedy, yes or no? Do you think it's like more of a history? I'm going to stick my, my Shakespeare claim right now. Yeah, but just plant that flag. People have told me to my face that Cat does a better job at this. But you know what? Which I always disagree with them with. You're not in the room, you guys. Don't patronize me. I'm not. I'm literally spinning shit all the time on this <laughs> podcast. Like, but listen, okay. we're e- we are two equal tragic heroes <laughs> on this podcast. What are yeah. you gonna say? I'm sorry. <laughs> so okay, here's here's gonna be my my hot take. Mm-hmm. I think it's more of a history, and the essay that I've written, yep. I will give it to, over to you, please. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah, thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, <laughs> that's a podcast. <laughs> um, follows the structure of a history Mm -hmm. because you have battles broken up through several acts Mm -hmm. you have like like a history you have the beginning the setting up you have your battles and you have your ending yeah and kind Uh, of the fallout and the fallout of the battle and stuff um and you have your your respective secondary characters die by their own hands by hands someone else Mm -hmm. Oh, because they're sad. <laughs> it so, is based on a historical source. Yeah. Which is, I think, Plutarch's Lives, if anybody hears. Um, that's my favorite. Plutarch. It's my favorite live. That's <laughs> <laughs> my favorite life. Yeah. So yeah, like like the sort of uh, like English histories that Shakespeare writes, it is based on like historical sources and he does embellish. But yeah, I think that's a convincing argument. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Also, there's a lot of argument about whether they should fight on land or sea, which I think is something that always happens in Shakespearean history. So I'm like, oh, we're going to have the argument now about, like, whether yeah. our naval forces are powerful enough. Do, do you Great. Think, <laughs> do you think Shakespeare was, like, a real, almost like a, a dad? Like, he was just, like, really into, like, World War II history and, like, tanks and bridges and stuff. Civil War guy through Yeah, through. I think so. I think he probably, like... Played a lot of risk. <laughs> 
<laughs> no, I think he was a bit of like a ponce. <laughs> yeah. Living in London, being an actor, being super gay in London. And he didn't know <laughs> that much about military history, but he knew that, that w- there was a difference between fighting at yeah. sea and fighting on land. And he always brought that up. <laughs> that was like his one thing that he knew. <laughs> do, you think that, do you think that was like his beard in a way? Yeah. Like, yo, guys, 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 guys. How could I be gay? <laughs> Look at all the military knowledge I got. Look at all that sea fighting that I put in my plays. Yeah, look at all those seamen fighting each other. <laughs> How could this be gay? How could I be gay? <laughs> Excellent joke. Right that on. was good. Thank you, thank you. I love you know- seamen. <laughs> on the water. <laughs> Sailing. In nice. <laughs> uh, I, I enjoyed all those qualifiers I enjoyed <laughs> in slow succession you know what but you know what maybe there's a third option you fight fight it okay actually okay I have a really small thing that I want yeah, to say please go because we actually did not talk at all about how Antony and Cleopatra are opposites which is like a major theme of the play uh, oh okay <laughs> oh boy yes you please go ahead but I can tie it into to that comment. No, please. So, okay, so the uh, we don't have to go super into it. If you read this play, it'll become abundantly obvious that this is just a play about, like, exotic Egypt versus uptight Rome. Like, woman versus man, Venus versus Mars, the feminine versus, like, the warlike, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Um, there are all these uh, opposites and dichotomies that clash together, and Antony is sort of, like, the ultimate man-war side and Cleopatra is the ultimate feminine wiles side but there's a part where Antony is talking about whether they should fight on land or yeah. by sea and he says I would fight him in air or in fire if I could okay cool um and then Cleopatra has a line where she brings that back not not intentionally like she wasn't there when he said that but she says um after right at the end when she's about to kill herself she says Quick, methinks I hear Antony call. He's dead at this point, so she's talking about, like, yeah. immortal Antony in heaven. Mm-hmm. Uh, I see him rouse himself to praise my noble act. Husband, I come. Now to that name, my courage prove my title. I am fire and air. My other elements I give to baser life. Oh. So it's almost like they're two opposite elements. He is kind of the sea and land, um, as embodied by this whole yeah. war that's going on, and she is fire and air. She is sort of that like ethereal womanly yeah. spirit. And then Perfect. they finally come together in the end. They die. What a what a great throwback to Avatar the Last Airbender. Yeah, so my wrap up question is which element do you think you are? Okay. <laughs> can we can we briefly talk about this? Yeah. Have you watched Avatar The Last Airbender? No, I haven't. Okay, you just but want to talk can, about I want to talk some about boring old elements. Okay, fine. <laughs> but you can infuse it with your cultural references. That's cool. <laughs> <laughs> Love me some Avatar. We'll pause it. I am death. <laughs> um, no, actually. Agreed. <laughs> I think, okay. And I, want, I want, and I want your input, so I want to know if you think. Yeah, yeah, we'll discuss. So I am, okay, so this is kind of contrast, because I, I don't know how exactly how I see myself. So I'm going to say the exact opposites. I'm either air or I'm earth. Okay. I was going between those. Yeah. Actually, in my mind for you. Oh, thank you. Okay. Why do you think you're, okay. What's your argument for either one? Because I think I'm, okay. I think I'm air because I'm light. (laughs) (laughs) Because you're a bird boy. (laughs) A bird boy. But light, light in a sense of like, I, I like a lightness. Yeah. You like a light touch. I like a light touch. I like a lightness in life. Mm -hmm. I like a lightness 
I like a lightness in conversation in terms mm-hmm. of like jumping from one to the other. Yeah, um, jo- joking around, joking. I having a pleasant time. I play. I play in the wind like a like a wind, <laughs> like a fox, like a fox, you know, <laughs> in um, a fall breeze. <laughs> I do think also that you sort of you go where the wind takes you. Yeah, in life, like not you're not you're not sort of like clinging to anything or like I don't know. You're sort of willing to go wherever there's like an opportunity or or wherever you might be interested by something. You're very willing to just like say yes to things and go and do it, yeah. which I think is very like air like. Yeah, that's why I say yes to dress in my favorite show. I fucking love that show. Honestly. <laughs> <laughs> um, so okay, so now since I think I'm air. Okay, so for um, Earth. But I also think I'm Earth because I'm grounded. That's true. Like I'm I'm grounded. I think I'm practical. Mm-hmm. I think the way I interact with people is like very. It's very sensible. Yeah. Cold, emotionless. <laughs> but very, like, very sensible. Not Like, it takes a lot, I think, to, to bug me. That's, uh, that's true. That's true. So, you have, like, all the good parts of Earth and all the good parts of Earth. <laughs> you have, like, you're not, like, you're not stuck in anything. Yeah. Like, you're willing to move. But you're also, you're not flighty. You're still grounded. Yeah. And also because I think I'm Earth because I'm, I'm slowly becoming a fossil. <laughs> over the course of time your hollow bird air bones yeah. are just solidifying yeah like and, cement and that and that terrifies me <laughs> um so that's ends the essay of what i think i am okay and thank you for providing that insight. yeah no i think that actually okay. i think we agree so what do you think you are so i think i'm all water you're all water you're yeah. just like a, a water boy i am i'm a water boy um i, I so i'm a cancer you're, yeah in the astrological whatever okay our listeners can't see this but i'm rolling my eyes right now. <laughs> okay i don't really believe in astrology but i'm like the most typical cancer yeah. that's ever existed i'm very emotional i'm very moody also um you know those like old, the humors or whatever oh my god like the old-timey ones i'm always like you're, melancholic you're all fun <laughs> no i'm like the melancholy one okay, cool. i'm like sad whatever <laughs> So I think I'm, yeah, I think I'm just very watery. Very watery? Moody. You you fit in any receptacle that someone gives you? You're like a cat. You try to fit in any I, boxes I, I, that you see. <laughs> I, I fit in a lot of receptacles, yeah. but I also feel like I flood everything. Okay. Like I just like, I spread over everything. I have like unnecessary depths that are like too much to deal mm-hmm. with. Like why the ocean got to be that deep? You know, yeah. Come up for some air, but I never do. I'm yeah. always down there with like the yeah. angler fishes and shit. Yeah, and I feel like you have like a certain flexibility to you, right? Like you're in the sense of like you're willing to go. Do I? Uh, do you? I don't know. What state are you in? Solid, <laughs> liquid, or uh, gas? okay, water does. Yeah. I don't think I'm ice, but I don't know how flexible I am. Do you feel That's like? Interesting. Do you feel like you're? You change. Okay, I have a thing about change. I do like change, yeah. but I think it's because I'm afraid that things will change and I won't be able to keep up, so I try to change first. Like water? Like water, I guess. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe. Okay. So I think we should start a band called Earth, Wind, and Water. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. I don't think anyone said no. anything like it nope. before. <laughs> I don't think so. Heard it first on this podcast. Folks. I think it would be great. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I can see. Yeah, because I don't. Yeah, because I don't think you're air. No, you're not. You're not. No offense. You're not fiery. No, no, I'm very meek. Yeah, we don't know a lot of fires in our lives. I don't think. No, I don't think so. Either. <laughs> but the the meek will inherit the earth, right? 
That's true. Or is it the minx one I heard the earth? I think it's the the minxy. Oh. Yeah. I think it's the, the foxy <laughs> one. Oh. I don't so, know. I don't know what I'm so your, there. your partner will inherit the earth. <laughs> <laughs> I was I was gonna say maybe the person I'm dating is fire, but other than that. <laughs> Yeah. Which, water and fire, that bounces out. Yeah, you'll, yeah. you'll evaporate each other. <laughs> <laughs> she will evaporate me, for sure. <laughs> Before um, I manage to put her out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And yeah, I think, I think, I think you got some sentiments. Like, I think you got some, some elements of, of Earth. Of Earth, yeah. Um, I think you had that effect on other people. Like, I feel like you are, you, I feel like you're other people's, like, emotional rock. I tried. Because you got a lot of secrets. You are. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. The unnecessary depth. Yeah. Like, why you got to do that? Yeah. I don't even know why I do it. Just don't want to talk about shit. Get but, away from me. But people are. Yeah. People. <laughs> people look into those depths and they want to, like, you know that that Greek story of the person who looks into a pool of water. Narcissus. Narcissus. Mm-hmm. Yeah, thank you. People are looking into this water as your your soul and your being and who you are as a person, mm-hmm. and they want to just like. Go in first, <laughs> and then I turn into ice, and they just like plonk their heads as soon as they try. To get out of my water, down. Oh God! Because <laughs> um, yeah, people are looking looking at their own reflection. And they're like, Oh, who, I who see. can appreciate who I am? And they're right. like, they turn to you, and they're you're like, Yes, please tell me more. Oh, thanks, Jay. Yeah, you know That's yeah. nice. Yeah, that's nice. So I think I think you, I, I think you you spoke very disparagingly of you as water, but I think. I see you as more of a positive aspect. Positive of aspect. I think you're. Yeah, I think you're. You're water with a hint of lemon. Oh. Yeah. You're, yeah. What a nice summary way yeah. to to send this off. Yeah. That's wonderful. Yeah. Well, if you all want to come back for a refreshing hint of water and lemon, in the form of <laughs> another episode of this podcast, amazing. <laughs> you can find us on SoundCloud and also Apple Podcasts. Uh, can I also add? Please. You can now find us on Google Play. Can you? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. You can find us on Google Play, folks. I don't know anything about how this podcast works. That's yeah. really exciting. I'm going to, the reason I do this, I'm going to lose my iPhone soon. Okay. <laughs> my, my work will take it back. <laughs> so I decided Android, lo- <laughs> Android users should also have the privilege to listen to us. I don't so. agree with that. Android users are just kind of... <laughs> I'm just joking. Um, that's very exciting. Okay, cool. Yeah. yeah. Find us on Google Play. Rate us. Would you have a funny five star thing to say? Think of this podcast as you would think of what a possible Mark Anthony and Cleopatra Instagram account would be. Rate us five stars because we're that hot. Wow, yeah. that's almost too hot. But you should still rate us five stars. Yeah. Also, you can find us on Twitter. Please follow us. We're at Shakespeare Lads. I'm making an effort to make you it are fun. making an effort. Yeah. I found this super funny thread about every Shakespeare play as a line from Parks and Rec. Nice. That I'm gonna retweet. Nice. So follow for that and other great Shakespeare-related content. Beautiful. I love it. And next time, we are coming back at you with... The Tempest. The Tempest. Um, it's going to be tempestuous. It's going to be stormy. It's going to be fiery. Yeah. Like neither Jay nor I are. Yeah. So, so come back. Yeah. Listen in with uh, your clothes off, because that's going to be how hot that podcast is <laughs> when we come back. Your clothes off? Close off if it's... Hot? Who keeps your clothes on when it's hot? No one. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. You said keep your clothes on. Yeah, keep your clothes on, you perverts. <laughs> Put your clothes back on. This is a family podcast. <laughs> and uh, until our next episode, dear listeners, keep uh, shaking a Shakespeare. We're out.